And this is Lou Guadagnino. And this is Marilyn Guadagnino. The Living Stress-Free Podcast. From Rochester, New York, on the edge of America. On the edge of America. Greetings! It's July 27th, and we are on the edge of America. We were taking a walk along Lake Ontario this morning, and we really are on the very northern end of our country. That's why we always say that phrase. It's a beautiful place. It is. It is. So, Luigi, what's new with you lately? How you been doing? Well, I, I just, you know, this is Rochester. We have to be realistic. The weather's been absolutely beautiful. It has. It has. So, for me, this is like... Um, you know, a trip to Jamaica. <laughs> How's okay. that? How's that? That's that's saying a lot. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I think July is the best month in Rochester. If you're going to do any outdoor activities, plan it in you July. You always said that, and you are a big yeah. uh, you're an activities planner person. I am. I used to do that for my whole career. Yeah, you've done it Plan activities, yes, yeah. yes. But, you know, it's... When there is a cloudy or rainy or bad weather day, it's short-lived. They're just brief showers, where it look where it seems at least in this part of the country, it seems like like in August you start having more, more rainy days. It yeah. starts getting a little wetter. Well, it's the warning. Yes. It's nature's way of saying, guess what's right around the corner. <laughs> Very foreboding. <laughs> Very foreboding. Well, it is kind of. Yeah. But July's been great. It's been a great... Of course, we're towards the end of it now, so... So, yeah. It's been great. Maybe it'll hang out till August. You've been cooking up a storm. I wanted to um, sing your praises with your, your rice and beans becoming our staple. It's been absolutely incredible. You can't beat it. You use whole whole grain rice, brown rice. Yeah. And you use beans, and then you... Fry it all up with vet, you know, peppers and onions and different things, right? Yeah, and, and then garlic. You, and then you've got that to mix with other things well, all week long. I have a theory. I can't prove this theory scientifically. Maybe it has already been proved. I don't know. But I believe that the, the people that are seen in this world as being sometimes the poorest people actually eat the best diet. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, as you um, as you climb the uh, food, what do they call it? The food uh, food chain. No. Yes, the food, the food chain. chain. <laughs> as you climb, as you climb the food chain, as you get bigger on the food chain, mm-hmm. you know you um, you die. <laughs> that's basically what happens. Well, that's the origin of pesto. Wasn't pesto like peasant food in Italy? Well, and then it became like this whole well, it wasn't an, fancy thing. Well, it, I don't think it was um i don't think it was peasant food in italy i think it was just normal italian food but mm-hmm. I, I think it was looked that way and looked at it that way in america mm-hmm. because people started doing things like creating meatballs and you know the whole beef emphasis comes once you get here there's just tons of beef and so i think that's it started being looked at as peasant food you know if you were living in Texas, <laughs> gotcha. but in but in Italy, I don't think they look at it that way at all. I don't think they ever did. No, but like rice and beans for a lot of people is just standard boring fare. But it's you, great. That's it's not really, true. It's so great. If you, I love California. What I call California style Mexican food, and mm-hmm. if you love that, beans and rice, and they're so good for you. I mean, there's nothing that's healthier for you than 
you know, really incredibly delicious beans and rice. It really is. It's a staple throughout the week. That It's uh, perfect protein. Yes, it is. And what I like about it is, see, if you just eat a whole pile of beans, your poor stomach's going to be regretting it for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. But this forces you to, you get your, your legumes, your beans, but it's in a reasonable amount when it's mixed with rice. Well, I use it for burritos myself. I, You know me, I make burritos out mm-hmm. of it all. So I just throw some of the rice and beans in there and cheese, and then after that, whatever I can find. <laughs> well, you've been packing me that for lunch every day, and it's been perfect. It's like I have my fresh salad that I make. That we have anyway. It makes a great thing. So I've been um, enjoying these sound baths. Just wanted to mention. Yeah, the you've sound done baths. this. You yeah. Why don't you explain to folks what? Yeah, that is? yeah. So if this is a, it's, it's a practice for having deep deep relaxation and calming your mind so basically you lay in shavasana which is laying on the mats and pillows read and relax way and you're going to and you hear different sound vibrations from different instruments i'm playing live and you hear silences in between the instruments playing so your brain is focused on sound and silence sound and silence and then so every time you're laying there and you're just relaxing, getting in a meditative state, most people say, I can't meditate because thoughts come into my mind. Well, mm-hmm. what happens is the new sound that you hear gives your mind something to pay attention to, not the thought. So it's an automatic way to reduce the focus on thoughts and instead be fully present in the moment because the sounds you hear are random. You don't know which one's going to be next, and there's a wide variety of mm-hmm. them. So that's what makes And the- it really works. I can attest to it. It's really amazing. It really is amazing. There, And I'm going to compare it to something. Um, for me, it's comparative to some Tibetan Buddhist meditation practices I did a long time ago where the mind becomes just really thoughtless, completely thoughtless. And that happens with your uh, in your sound bath. It's really amazing. That's what I'm going for. And some of the people that have been coming, they've um, we rate the the amount of thoughts in the mind and the body tension at the beginning and at the end. And some are saying there's 70% reduction in thoughts. Now that's huge Yes. for all you listeners out there that can't get away from thinking all the time. Right. 70% reduction in thoughts. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's a way of resting the mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I really love about it. It's really like, it's like, you know, your body, you take a nap for your body, but you still dream. Mm-hmm. But this is, you're awake, but you're not dreaming, you're not thinking. It's very restful. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to keep doing it for three more yeah, weeks. And good, I'm good, good, good looking for forward to it. So um, so we've been noticing a tr- um, something interesting about people's cars. And you ever notice how some people have tons of bumper stickers that are identifying who they are? And they're really big on showing the world what they believe by what they're advertising on their car. And then, of course, you've got other people that never talk about what they identify with. Right. Those are the people that keep their cards close to their chest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we were... we were. They're making yes, their own statement. Yes, that's their own bumper that's sticker. That's their statement. No, but bumper <laughs> stickers is, is, is one example just of how... You ever notice how some people, they just love to really tell the world what they it is sure they do. believe? They sure do. Yes, I have. And then you got others that don't. And like, I just find that interesting. Yeah, like, me what too. makes what some people about? want to share who they are with everybody? Right. And feel very strongly about it. And it's not a judgment, it's just, it's a thing. Right. It's a thing out there. 
So it got me thinking it's a bit. A thing out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like the flu. It's it's a thing out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. It doesn't matter your political affiliation, your right. religious ideas, your social commentary, um, whether you're uh, some of it's just wisecracks, you know. <laughs> No, it, I mean, that's also, you know, some people have wisecrack bumper stickers, you know. True, true. They're the good ones. And, you know, well, you got the runners, the runners who have, you know, the different marathons they've right. been in. So that's identifying with, I'm a, I'm a runner and I'm, I'm accomplished, which yes. I don't blame you. That's pretty cool. Right. But, you know, but it got, it got me thinking about what makes a meaningful life for some people. It they find meaning in identifying with certain things and that's that's who I am and they just find it helpful to share that with people either, and, either that or maybe they think the point of life is having the most bumper stickers <laughs> we don't know there's no scientific research but the meaningful life is a great question to contemplate it is. and that's what we wanted to focus on a bit today so so what do you find is important to have a meaningful life for me or for, for you for, for me you. well for me I would say obviously I, I think spirituality would probably be a big part of my life um, or meaningful life but so is work you know I really love um, watching living stress free grow mm-hmm. and I really love the experiences that we've had helping people because we've helped people in a very unique way. You know, we're not doing it in some professional way in the sense that you know we both worked in mental health and we're not really using those skills. We've created a whole new method and model, and mm-hmm. you know we've been around since 2011. So it's it's very fascinating and rewarding for me to see how many people have benefited from it. Yes. You know, not as many as I'd like to see, of course, but but how many people really have benefits? So that's very rewarding to me. So I would say that, and of course, you and me, our family, mm-hmm. that's obvious. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love nature. I love being in nature more than anything, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel very comfortable there. But I, I guess. You know, that and uh, that's about it, really. <laughs> I think that's enough. Well, that is. That is. That is. Yeah, I'd have to say I agree. Also, I, I work with a lot of in doing counseling and therapy with, with people, especially in their 20s and early 30s, that are in careers that they're starting to wonder whether they should want to continue doing them because they don't have much meaning to them whatever career they're in and they're looking for a change so this so, is, hold it this is, excuse me i got it so this is a career that they've already chosen yes they've gone through school yes they're working in that career yes soon yes and they're wondering whether it's the right career. yes wow. yes which is a really that's you know that's a very difficult yeah situation to be in and i really feel for them but i i agree also to you know Having living stress free is very meaningful, but also being being a therapist for, um, you know, I'm about to have my 28th anniversary at my job at Strong, and I was doing it even before then. So I've done over 30 years of therapy, yeah. and that that's very meaningful. Congratulations, that's very important. Thank you. Yes, because when you devote your life to listening to people and helping them with their suffering and and helping them get back on track and hopefully giving them some wisdom that they can take with them to change that literally change their life that right. feels really good mm-hmm. and then you get paid for it <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's one part of 
I find important for a meaningful life. And obviously, having a good marriage and a family life and all that's very important. I, too, nature's huge. If I don't commune with nature on a regular basis, I feel like something's missing. Nature's extremely important. In fact, a lot of times I'll and I give that, a, I prescribe that to some of my clients and patients. You know, you have to get out into nature. It's because it's so healing. It's mm-hmm. grounding. It's immediate mindfulness. It, it calms the mind. So that's important. Um, I think besides that, though having some kind of inspiration and outlets whether like i love the arts you know music and creating things with photography and just um that really has a lot of meaning to it but having that extra time to be inspired by something i think makes a meaningful life mm-hmm. i talk to people that just have work and family and that's it and they even if they like their jobs they still feel that's not enough it just doesn't feel fulfilling enough mm-hmm. So I think that's why we we really created this the eight areas what we call the yantra and living stress free but it's the eight areas of life that if you honor all of them you will feel more fulfillment and like there's more meaning to it so um, these are the eight areas if physical health mental health relationships and recreation and then there's education which is learning there's contribution which is work there's prosperity which is money and your belongings and the last is spirituality and so we have found from our own work with people as well as in our own use it with ourselves that if you find a way to honor all of those eight areas in some way you will feel like your life has more meaning well they're human needs the idea is that these are all human needs in one way shape form or another mm-hmm. i mean they're actually all human needs that are both psychological as well as physical most of them and so there, there are things that we all share in common as people. Mm-hmm. And they're a way of reducing our stress and a way of calming our mind and body and a way of finding meaning. Because I think one of the reasons, and I'm thinking about just you know, our society, that people are having such a hard time finding meaning is because... Um, it takes some time to be quiet and to be with yourself. And people are, um, they spend so little time with themselves nowadays that um, it's, it must be very difficult for most people to find their meaning. And I think there's a negative side to that, that people cling to, you know, their belief systems so um, aggressively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they're looking for meaning. I think that's really true. You know, they're looking for meaning. People are so aggressive with their ideas, I feel, because they're they're afraid. Yes. And they're clinging to they're clinging to their belief systems and this lifestyle that they propose that, you know, basically what people are saying is if you live like me, if the whole world lives like me, things are gonna be a lot better. (laughs) That's true. That's really what People are saying when they become aggressive with their belief systems. And you see that more and more in You society. see it all the time now, yeah. Yeah, yes. And that, that creates a whole lot of stress. Stress for the people that are aggressively pushing their ideas and stress for the people that aren't relating to their ideas. Like right. everybody's stressed because yes. of that. Yes, And if what you're saying, which makes total sense, is true, then the whole idea of pushing the ideas is counterintuitive. It's it, it, If the person 
just took some time to be silent and calm with themselves, they might find they don't need to push it so much. Well, this is where spirituality comes in for me. We, we kind of know that that's true, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because of the spiritual, religious traditions of the world, they all have monastic um, components, mm-hmm. or at least most of them do. Mm-hmm. And those are usually interpreted as the fact that solitude has a benefit to human beings. And I think that you can find that pretty much all over the world, probably even, well, not probably, definitely, even in indigenous uh, populations, uh, people spent time alone in mm-hmm. solitude. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's because solitude is necessary to have a really clear vision for yourself and your life. And that ties into having a meaningful life. If a person's just looking at their career and what they're doing and the amount of money they're making as the ingredients for creating a meaningful life, but don't have that solitude piece in there don't have that time to just disconnect and just be for a while they may just keep chasing that for the rest of their life and Mm -hmm. never find the meaning because there's not there's no like certain amount of money that you can have that creates meaning in life right it's that's it's on a superficial level like not to say anything gets money money's wonderful it allows you to do things but it doesn't equal meaning no and if you just want if you just imagine um, people's, uh, the average attention span of people is very short, as we all know. That's, that's just a given fact nowadays. And people are going from their telephone screen to uh, the sound of the radio in their car to someone calling them to whatever. Mm-hmm. The mind is just flitting constantly like a bee, mm-hmm. literally, you know, from clover to clover. So if solitude does have and, and inner silence, that experience of being still, does have some benefit to us um, psychologically and spiritually, then a good question is how are people nowadays going to experience that in the lifestyle that has become pretty much mandatory? That's a very good question. It's becoming less and less available to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you use, like, for example, an app to help you meditate or get some quiet in your day, the app itself is making sounds, and, and there's a piece of it that's it's taking... In, it's a superficial way of creating the silence. Well, it's interactive. Yes, it's interactive. And solitude is not interactive. The, I, I think one of the main points of solitude is to stop interacting. Yes, that's key. That's that's it right there. I think that's essential when it comes to solitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if people are never disengaging and not interacting, then, you know, now if you've experienced solitude a great deal and you've absorbed the experience of solitude, I think then it's possible to interact with anything mm-hmm. and maintain your inner experience of solitude. Mm-hmm. But if you've never taken the time to develop that skill, then it's impossible to find it. And a, a lot of people have come to work with me in sessions that talk about how all I do is take care of everybody else. All I do is work 
and take care of my family and take care of driving this person this place and then I got to take care of a house chore blah 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 and they are so stressed out because all they do is take care of everybody and everything and there's no time left for them but this the key could be in exactly what you're saying is just carve out a little solitude within that day and it doesn't the good thing about it is it doesn't have to be like a hour or two it could be just a brief on a regular basis for like 15 20 minutes right yeah well i I think so i think at least that's a good way to begin Mm -hmm. and probably we all need different doses of solitude um, at different times in our life Mm -hmm. so we probably have to gain some familiarity with the experience to gauge how helpful it is to us and how often we need it Mm -hmm. and that probably changes as i said but yeah, I think you can start out with just 15 minutes, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember talking in an early earlier podcast about if you have the ability to take a day, like once or every couple months, that's like your, that's your, wonderful. your retreat day, yeah. where that day is just for you and you do whatever it is that you gain that solitude. Mm-hmm. That's great, but you don't have to do it that way. Well, that's you know, let, let's just look at some religious traditions. For instance, I, I'm... I have visited Catholic communities when I was young and then monastic Catholic communities um, when I was older just to see what they were like. And the monastic Catholic communities are so different than the public churches. You know, so different. And this isn't just true for Catholicism. This is true for every tradition I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But if you go and look at the monastic Catholic communities and ask yourself well what is the difference between these guys and you know the guys the priests and nuns in the churches what is the difference and the difference is they spend a great deal of time alone some of that time is in prayer some of that time is in work some of that time is in contemplation Mm -hmm. Uh, some of that time is in meditation depending on the tradition but they spend a great deal of time in silence and being alone Mm -hmm. and those are those you know that I really believe that that experience puts us in touch with nature both inside ourselves our physiology and our psychology as well as environmentally Mm -hmm. puts us in contact with that and when we lose contact with that then I think we lose contact with nature and with ourselves I think you're absolutely right one of the most powerful experiences I ever had spiritually and was doing a sashin, which is in the Zen tradition. And when you do a sashin, it's, you basically live a monastic life for that period of time. It's exactly like you described. It's all in silence. You spend a lot of time meditating. You do meditative walking. And you do do chores and work throughout the day, but you do that in silence very mindfully. And the, the whole day is spent in this solitude and um, I did a five-day one. It was one of the most difficult things I ever did in my life. But it was, I got the most. I, I did the most. I got the most out of it. Because you're sitting. Trying to help. Mm-hmm. You're sitting for how many hours a day? Oh, well, you sit. Sitting meditation. Sitting meditation. You do 35 minutes. Then mm-hmm. you walk for 10 minutes in mm-hmm. silence. And then you sit back down again. Another 35. Another 10 walking. Another 35 sitting. Another 10 walking. Then you, you take a break. 
And then the break is either, you know, a meal break where you're not talking, you're just eating, or it's a work break. And then you go back, and you go back to 3510, 3510, 3510. And then there's another break, and then you go back to 35. So I don't know altogether how many hours, but it's, okay. it's quite intense. Yeah. It's living in a monastic way. and um, But what you take from that, I mean, I learn more about my mind and what it does. I bet in that five-day period then all the years of you know any school or studying or books or anything i learned so much it was incredible it was very life-changing and then because it's difficult it's it's, a, it's very disciplined when you go back to your normal life the little things that would get you angry or piss you off or whatever it doesn't you doesn't even touch you anymore mm-hmm. it's like so trivial yeah, it's, it's so nothing. small like nothing bothers you right. and that lasted for months until you know eventually like anything things go back to normal but i did have certain but what a I powerful learned. transformation that said because mm-hmm. the insight you know the lack of interactivity again the lack of interaction Mm-hmm. with other people, mm-hmm. even with the environment to a certain extent, mm-hmm. y- you know, you s- see nothing but your mind's projections. That's right. And, you you know, when you're interacting with others, you can always blame your mind's, you know, your mind's uh, projections onto other people or the environment. It's, it's almost, it's automatic. We all do it automatically. Mm-hmm. But when you're in solitude like that and you're meditating like that for so many hours, mm-hmm. You know that it's just your mind that you're interacting with. That's right. And it really is instructive. <laughs> it's fascinating. You don't need a therapist. It's you just need yourself. Yeah, it's the greatest psychotherapist yeah, in the yeah, world. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so, so this this all ties back to what you said just um, at the beginning of this podcast that you know, learning how to calm our mind. We're, we're we all know we have to calm our body. We have to get rest for the body. Mm-hmm. But why don't we get rest for the mind? Yeah, why don't question. we value that? Why don't we find that to be important? And why well, is we, rest for the mind watching TV? I don't think important. <laughs> I don't think we even know it's necessary yet. I can't I mean, tell I really you. don't yeah. think most human beings believe mm-hmm. that resting their mind is important. I don't think they believe that at all. And I don't think even this podcast is going to convince <laughs> most of the people of this world that they do need to rest their mind just like they rest their bodies. I think we're too dumb for that. I have to be honest with you. I think we're just well, too dumb. That's why, that's what, that's one of my missions, our missions in life is to help people see it is very important it's to very rest important. your mind. It's essential. It is essential. And um, watching as friends of mine called brain dead tv is not the way to rest your mind i'm sorry it just um it doesn't rest the mind no of course not so you're still interacting so if you want to find ways to rest your mind chat with us send us a message send us a email go to our website livingstressfree.org and find ways that we can help you rest your mind so we hope you guys have a great week Enjoy the rest of July, <laughs> the best month for the summer if you're in this area of the world. Beautiful time. Yep, and um, we'll see you again real soon. Yes, enjoy your week, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.